do you have that obey the Lord? Hallelujah. Well, go on and give him good praise. Let's give him glorious praise. Hallelujah. Amen. If you stand with me for the reading of God's word. If you have your Bibles, Psalms 133, verses 1 through 3, and then Matthew chapter 26, verse 16, and we're going to begin there. The mandate, the Great Commission, what's the purpose, the responsibility of the church? How many of you know we're in the last days? Okay, stop. We'll try that again. How many of you know we're in the last days? (laughs) Amen. That's what God's doing with us. He's raising us up, growing us up. It's helping us. And so, what is the mandate of the church? Well, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. Notice it said 11 because you remember one messed everything up for himself. To the mountain which Jesus had appointed them. When they saw him, after he'd risen now, they worshipped him, but some doubted. How many you know they're always going to be haters? Even Jesus had haters. 
And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's the mandate of the church. Psalm 133 and 1 kind of tells us how to do it. A song of ascents written by David, king of Israel, the boy who killed the giant. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Say unity. Unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. That is so incredible. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. What? For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. There's power in unity. Before we sit down, we're going to pray, and we're going to pray about two things in particular. Number one, Sheila didn't know you were here we love you we're so sorry you're part of our church family and we are with you 100 percent and we'll be with you on tuesday but we're praying for you and we're going to pray for you as we pray for these other families we're asking god to be with you and comfort you we're also going to pray for a christian to send a text to us letting us know if you saw that kirsten and 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 francella were here they have had to be taken out of the service they've been called the little ashton Kirsten's little boy, who's been in the hospital for months, is uh, they've called him back to the hospital. So we're going to pray for little Ashton right now. And we're also going to say, Amanda, it's so wonderful to see you in church today. Amanda's back. Jay is home. And he is a miracle from Almighty God. So let's give the Lord praise for that. What a miracle. What a miracle. So we're, we're proud for you, happy for you. And I'm going to tell you, I've bragged about your faith. You had the faith that was biblical. And God has answered that prayer in a mighty and wonderful way. And we celebrate with you. Let's pray for Ashton. Father, as we come before you now, we ask you to bless and touch this precious little boy. Lay your hand upon him, God. And we pray that the healing virtue of Jesus Christ, Lord, will meet him at that hospital. That by faith, Lord, we declare the promises of God over him physically and ask you to touch him and ask you to heal him, strengthen him, be with him, give wisdom to those that are working with him. That God, let it be your final report that he is well, all is well in the name of Jesus Christ. Touch him right now as the family goes to be with him. We pray for a good report, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And Lord, touch us in this word, this time that we have. Challenge us. Speak to us by your spirit as we look once again this second week into the power of unity. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone agreed and said amen. Amen. God bless you. Turn to somebody. Smile as you're seated. What is it that makes? I have 10 minutes. All right, here we go. I'm going to speak really fast, so tune in both ears. What is it that makes the Jesus movement the largest world religion in the world? What is it that makes it what it is? When you look back over how it really came to be, 
one teacher who was a miracle worker, had signs and wonders, but and as powerful as that was, that was used by heaven and God to bring about a following. But he was actually a rabbi, a teacher, and he was only on the scene for about three and a half years. He preached mostly outdoors. He never really filled many auditoriums, but yet he has single-handedly through his reputation and through his ministry and through his work in the earth, granted, he's the son of God, the largest world religion to this day is the religion of Christianity. How is it possible that a small band of Jewish radicals, he had about a dozen or more, that grew very slowly over time, but started out with a dozen followers. That small band of Jewish radicals that become the largest religion in the world. I would tell you that I believe there's a glue that brings everything together in the body of Christ. One that touches every worldwide revival. All back in history, whenever you've seen a great move of God, whenever you've seen a powerful revival, whenever you've seen something take place, I'm telling you, it came through those merits of the word and prayer and fasting, repenting and all those things that make for us to be put in position. But the thing that makes it a worldwide movement is unity. I'm just telling you the truth. We're back to the book. We're back to the book. Unity. Failure's not an option when we are unified for victory. That's a tweetable statement right there. Listen to it again. Failure is not an option when we are unified for victory. It's the same as it was for Genesis and the, the children of Israel when they were building the tower that was against what God wanted for them. But because the people is one, because the people is unified, now nothing that they imagine will be withheld from them. That principle, true in disobedience, is supernatural in the body of Christ. We have this supernatural strength from Almighty God that will absolutely blow the mind of this world and show them Christ is Christ, that he's the son of the living God, the one and only God that we love and serve. It will show this world the reality of him and who he is if we will just get unified. Tracing the movement, the Jesus movement, all the way back to that great commission, we find that unity and the words of Christ who said, love God, love people. Unity with one another. Unity with God. We said this last Sunday. We have to be unified in our relationship with God, unified with one another. As we submit to this unity, this becomes the glue that holds us all together. It's how we advance. It's how we grow. It's how we become the movement we should be. It's how we become the church that Jesus intended when he looked into Peter's face and said, Peter, flesh and blood has not, has not revealed that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. When he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, being unified with that statement, unified with God, unified with his Son, that he is the Son of God, and that he builds the church, we come together under the mandate of Scripture, and when we are unified, we see a powerful explosion, dudamus. That's a Greek word for explosion, dynamite. We see it. Love God, love people. That's how we advance. It's often overlooked how powerful unity is. There are a lot of 
powerless churches today because there are a lot of members who are sitting together in church every Sunday going through the motions. The Bible makes reference to it by saying having a form of godliness but denying the power. What is it that causes a church to be powerless? Well, sin, of course. Relationships with God that are broken. But also relationships among one another that are not unified. We like to overlook that because, you know, so-and-so offended me. So-and-so hurt my feelings. So-and-so doesn't like me. So-and-so did this to me. Maybe you're the one that did something. But those are the things that makes a church powerless. Relationships with other people. It will affect, can I say this? It will affect, Scripture points it out, it will affect your interaction with God. It's right for us to search our hearts today. To really, truly examine who we are in God because your relationships with other folks, not simply being unified, but I'm talking about the love for the brother. Love God, love people. If we don't have that love for all people, not just the ones you like, not just the ones on your special list, not just the ones that make your inner circle, I'm talking about all people, all tribes, all nations, all races, all kinds of people, the poor, the rich, the ones on drugs, the ones in alcoholism, the ones who are sick, the ones who are well, all people. We need to be united with the love for other people. When we are united together, then the interaction we have with God becomes a powerful supernatural force. See, how do you know that relationships with others is so detrimental? I mean, you don't know what they did to me. Can I say this? It doesn't matter what they did to you. It doesn't even matter if they were wicked, mean, evil, and cruel to you. It doesn't matter. That's on them. What's it doing to you? Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. You got to understand, this person that Jesus is talking about is just going to church. He's just on his way to worship God. This is while the, during when the law was still in place that Jesus had not sacrificed himself on the cross at this point in Scripture. The law was still in effect. But it gives us a different understanding when we truly understand this person was just going to the temple to offer alms and to give worship to God in the temple on the Sabbath. Yet, Jesus said, if you come and offer your praise, Bring your alms, bring your gifts. He says, wait. If you should remember that you have ought with someone, or it says here, if you remember that someone else has ought, your brother has ought against you, has something against you. Listen to what the message version says on this same subject, this same scripture. This is how I want you to conduct yourselves in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering. 
leave immediately. Go to this friend, make things right, then and only then come back and work things out with God. That's good teaching, but that hurts because we like our offenses. We like our little offenses. We like to carry our attitudes. We like to carry our selfishness. We like to carry our flesh and our carnal attitudes around. I am in trouble today. But go ahead, reject it. It gives you comfort. It's like eating ice cream when I'm down. I, I loved, they built a Dairy Queen right by my house. Don't you know the devil did that? Whenever I'm depressed or discouraged or what, I go, I find myself driving right by there and I look over and I see the DQ sign and I'm like, that'll make me feel better. And it's right there. Just drive right through it and just carry on right to the house a mile away. The devil did that. You can reject it if you want to. Keep your offenses. Don't expect interaction with God to go right. Don't expect that your hotline to heaven is in good form. The connection's good. The Wi-Fi is working. Because God is making it very clear. Don't come to me if you've got aught. Don't come to me if you've got a problem. And you know what's really awesome about that scripture is he's really not addressing the fact that if you have a problem, you're supposed to go. You know, he goes all the way to the worst case scenario. He's assuming that you're already understanding you need to go. But he's actually going a step further. And he says, if your brother has ought against you, and for you ladies, that means the ladies as well. If you know someone else has ought against you, then you Put your offering down. Don't you dare come to worship. Don't dance in the aisle. Don't, don't sing in the choir. Don't preach or teach in the class. Go back out. Find your friend. Make things right. Then come back and then work things out with God. Reject it if you want to. That's your choice. Blame the other guy. That's, that's your prerogative. But understand there are consequences to your actions. You say... Well, they're the ones with the problem. Exactly. What's your point? Because it doesn't matter. We are to carry an attitude that says serving others, we serve others as a preference in our lives. We in honor serve one another. We edify one another. We build one another up in the holy faith. We carry one another's burdens. We pray for others. We, we live literally comforting one another, lifting up one another, looking out for one another. We, this is the, the mandate from God. Love God, love people. And in that, you find there's power. Jesus said all the laws fulfilled in these two. They're the greatest commandments. Learn to love God and love people. It's easy to love God. Because we all, a lot of folks live in that shallow place of experience and they just, they just stay in this place where I just love God. When's the last time you've been to church? Well, I don't, you know, long time ago, but I love God. But they can get by with that. But you can't get by with loving people and faking it because everybody knows. Everybody knows. See, there's fruit in unity. There's fruit in unity. And that comes to the scripture we read, the second text. Song of Ascents by David. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like, I love it when the Bible says it is like. It's drawing us a picture. It's rolling a movie so we can figure it out and know what it says and get a picture of what he's talking about. It is like the precious oil 
What oil? The anointing oil. The recipe for the anointing that goes over the head of the high priest. The high priest is anointed before he goes in to the, on the day of atonement, to go in to the inner court and then into the holy of holies and into the holy place. He, as he is walking through there, he is first cleansed and washed. He goes through the sacrament and through all this cleansing, and then he's anointed. When he's anointed, there's a recipe that the scripture points out. has to be a certain exact recipe of anointing oil. That anointing oil is placed on his head, and it's placed in such a way that it literally runs down his body over his beard and down onto his garments. And the high priest's garments, literally, the symbolism is amazing. Because we know it's talking about that because it says, it is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. And if you know about Bible, you know Aaron is from the Levite tribe. He's the one that was given responsibility to take care of the temple. They were the priests. The high priest comes from the Levitical order. And as we truly see this picture now, we begin to see that God is setting us up with something. He says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Here's what it's like. It's like the anointing oil that placed on the head, that runs down the beard, that runs over the garment and down the edges of his robe. And if you know the high priest, he wears what's called an ephod which represents all 12 tribes of Israel. So it's all the people. And as he's anointed, he said, there is a special anointing that prepares you to go into my presence. That's what unity does. Unity is powerful. It's where the people of God dwell together. He says, it's also like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord commands a blessing. So we see that this is a picture of the mountains around Jerusalem. And, and the dew that comes down off the mountains, the, the dew that covers the morning. As it comes down through and just covers everything in the morning. The beauty of the, the, the heron, when you, Herman, when you see the dew of Herman, you're talking about a flush and beautiful area because of all the moisture. He's saying, this unity I'm talking about, it's pleasant and good, just like that anointing, just like the dew of Herman. It's everywhere. It covers from head to foot. It takes over, and it is a powerful, such a powerful thing that the Lord himself commands a blessing. You need blessed, I want blessed. I want God to bless my life. I want him to bless our church. I want him to bless your family. I want him to bless our efforts to reach this community, the lost, the hurting, and the dying. I want the 99 sheep and the one lost one all to be under a commanded blessing of God as we go searching for them in the power of the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. The power is the anointing. And the anointing breaks the yoke. Christ is the head. He's our high priest. The anointing, it just comes down, down over the ephod, which represents the church, the body of Christ, and so on and so on, until we have this beautiful picture of what God wants to do through us. This is key. It's key. The anointing breaks the yoke of bondages. We did it earlier. 
I told you to, to join me with by faith. And let's let's break the yoke. Let's tear down the stronghold. Let's do what the song says with the reckless love of God. Let's kick the wall down. Let's climb the mountain, move it out the way. Let's let's do everything we can to be a part of what the anointing does to break those bondages and strongholds. Unity of the spirit, agreement together, searching for God. And I'm, I'm going to, I can't even begin to close this thing. We've had a wonderful move of God. Gary, help me play. The Lord commands a blessing. And ultimately comes back to this power, this anointing that comes through the spirit of unity the church must have. We saw the expression of it at the upper room when the 120 were gathered together, tarrying and waiting until the power of God came in great flood, like a wind rushing through the house, filled the place where they were gathered. The Bible says it came through a sound. That's why I called it the roar of unity, a sound. There's a sound that comes from our unity. There's power, there's anointing that comes from our unity. It will change everything. It'll rock the world. It'll touch this city, this community. I'm telling you, we're on to something that'll help us be grown-ups. If we'll take a look at this and look closely at it, I'm telling you, it'll be something that will change your whole life. We need young people. We need adults. We need children. We need them covered by the protective anointing of the power of God. We need to see deliverances. We need to see instant deliverances. A picture came to my mind when Cindy walked over to me in the altar this morning. We were praying with someone here in the altar, and she said instantly, God can do it instantly, and I knew that, and my mind went right to the woman with the issue of blood who pressed in. She wasn't going to give up. She wasn't going to let the crowd keep her back. She wasn't going to let all the folks that are standing in the way, those that have offended you, those that have tried to cut you down, those that have tried to hold you back, listen, get your eyes off them and just hear the message she heard. It said, when she heard of Jesus, she pressed into the crowd. And when she did, she received her deliverance. She received her deliverance. She stopped Christ in his tracks. I'm ready to stop the Lord in his tracks instantly. I'm ready to see a mighty move of God in my family, your family. I'm ready to see it. I don't want to just tiptoe around it anymore. I don't want to just say cute little prayers from a plaque in Gatlinburg anymore. I want us to see the glorious power of an almighty God at work right here in this house. Hallelujah. It says the Lord commands a blessing. I read that and I said, Lord, when I unify with my brothers and my sisters, it looks to you like the holy priest, the whole high priest coming in to the mercy seat, anointed, cleansed, and ready to offer the blood. On the, That's what it looks like? Oh, listen to me. That's how powerful it is. It looks like the dew of Hermon, which is beautiful, which is amazing. I've only seen pictures myself. That's what it's like, Lord. Yes, Ray, and when you get there, I command a blessing. When God commands a blessing, how I many of you know they're in a demon 
anywhere, there isn't an amount of demons anywhere that can counter that blessing. Can't take it away. When God commands a blessing, the people get delivered. When God commands a blessing, people get healed. When God commands a blessing, chains of addiction, strongholds of the enemy, they are absolutely destroyed when God commands a blessing. It says, when God commands the blessing, life forevermore. Wow. That's how he views unity. It's important. It's important. Every ministry in this church to get our eyes off of our own, our own selfishness, our own ideas, our own agenda. Submit ourselves to God and to one another. Get humble, get broken to where God can anoint us and use us. Get us he's, he's getting us back to the basics of things that will build his church. I want his church, not my church. I want his church, not your church. I want his ministries, not your ministries. I want the power of God to be free to work like a raging river through this community. I want it to be powerful. I want it to break strongholds. I'm tired of going to ERs. I'm tired of watching men and women who still have a potential and a life in front of them they need to live. I'm tired of watching the enemy win than the little battles. I know that we have a power that is larger than anything the enemy can throw at us. So it's time for the church to get together. It's time for the unity to bring the anointing that will bring the deliverance, that will bring the healing, that will tear down the strongholds. When he sets us free, we're free indeed. Where the spirit of the Lord is, the anointing on our unity. When the spirit of the Lord, when he's there, there's liberty. Stand with me this morning, I'll let you go. The Lord has moved in a great way this morning. We, we try to fit it all in. I believe the message is there got the message we needed unity spirit of oneness binding us together we lock arms together there's someone you need to forgive there's somebody you need to let go of the offense oh I don't have an offense it's not my problem oh everybody knows it every time you mention their name this scowl comes on your face come on let it go let it go. The night I got filled with the Holy Ghost at Hera Arena, I turned around and God planted a man that I would, I used the word before I got saved that I hated. There he was, all 300 pounds of him standing there looking at me in the altar. And I turned around. I've been saved. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost, spoken in tongues. I turned around. I'm like, Mom, Mom. I got it. You know, look at her. She's crying over there. She's like, I'm like, I turn around and there he is. And I've told this before, but there are new people. <laughs> Called him by his name. And I said, I love you. He said, <laughs> God bless you. 
I said, hey, how many of you know that's his problem? I got free. I got free. That's the example of what can happen when we come together. Let God heal the hurt. Let him heal the offense. What if you are the very instigator, instigator that God's going to use, the agent that's going to bring deliverance and healing to their heart? How do you know what God's got planned? Man, let it go. Let God bind you together with your brothers and your sisters to bring an anointing on this church that is going to turn this city upside down. Who's in with me? Who's in? Amen. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, touch the folks that are here today. Minister to those who are watching online. Thank you, Lord. We've got folks that are saying they were tuning in from Japan, from Australia, from, from all the way down in Florida today. Thank you for those watching in Tennessee. Lord, you bless them. You touch them. They're as much a part of us, Lord, as anybody else. And we thank you for them. I pray that you will minister to the, to the church. You'll bind us together in a spirit of unity. The presence, the power of Almighty God will help us to be in that place where the special anointing of your Holy Ghost can lead us into places we never dreamed of going. To do work and to accomplish much for the kingdom. Stuff that we never even imagined we could do. Let it happen, God. Be unified in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. With every head bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. I know you wouldn't want me to, to leave this service without asking if there's anyone here today that would say, you know what, I, I'm not unified with God. I'm not, I'm not unified with the body. I'm far away, and I need Jesus in my heart. I need to start the journey with you, with the church. I need Jesus in my heart. I need him to be Lord of my life. If you're here today and you would pray that prayer with me, before we leave this house, would you just slip up your hand and write back down? Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? I want to pray, Pastor. I want to pray. Yeah? Ah, God bless you. All right, God bless you. God bless you, sir. Amen. Praise God. Anyone else? Just a few more seconds. We're going to wait on you. You're worth it. You're worth it. Anyone else? God bless you, son. Awesome. Well, we've saved it. There's another one. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's what we turn the lights on for. So we're going to pray. And as we pray, we say this often, but it's so important. The Bible says if a man or a woman doesn't make any difference, there's neither male nor female with God in that respect. If you will believe in your heart that he's the son of God and that God raised him from the dead, you confess that with your mouth. The Bible says you're saved. So we are, we're going to help you with a, a prayer that if it's prayed from your heart, it changes everything. If it's just prayed along with the crowd, then it's, it's nothing but words. But if you mean it from your heart today, those that have lifted their hands, then, man, everything's going to change for you starting now. So let's pray this together. Church, let's pray and escort him to the throne together. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. You are the Son of God. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You purchased my salvation. 
Now be the Lord of my life. Lead me. Make me strong till you come for me. I believe it and I confess you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. What a beautiful word today on unity. I want to remind you again, if you can take these with you to uh, help us collect candy, we need 45,000 pieces uh, for our Easter egg hunt here in just a few weeks. And also, we will, in a sense, turn the church over three or four times in the next couple of days. And if you're interested in being a part of that and helping out in any way, you can see me. You can call the office tomorrow, and uh, we'll make sure we take care of our folks that are hurting, and uh, we'll be here to take care of each other. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week.